0: Zaslow Show 2.0. It is a Thursday, the 30th of November. Good to have you aboard, part of the Believe Podcast Network, and presented as always by Anna Jarin Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-3, 800-747-3733, our title sponsor from day one. If you get involved in an accident, it wasn't your fault. You deserve to be compensated. You also deserve to be treated like family. And that's why I sent you to Anna Jar and Levine. Accident Attorneys, 800-747-3, 800 747 Got a fun show planned today. Got a lot going on. We have another great sports night here in South Florida. You know what I'm talking about. We got the Panthers back in action tonight. We got the Heat back in action time. And God forbid these teams don't play on the same night it is what it is. So, we had a double dick punch a couple nights ago as the Heat lost against the Bucks, eliminated from the in-season tournament. The Panthers lost in weird fashion in Toronto against the Maple Leafs. They did get a point in the overtime shootout, but we got a chance now back at it tonight. It's the holiday season. Often running, and Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. Everybody knows that. With up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four. Bet Online has info available at your fingertips, both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played. MMA, international soccer, on and on we can go. We don't have all day. Head to the bet online today. Remember to use the promo code Believe, BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right. Bet online where the game starts. So, a lot going on here tonight. Panthers in Montreal at 7 o'clock. <coughs> Excuse me. Heat at home against Indiana. That's at 730. A lot of points going to be scored. Pacers highest scoring team in the NBA. Tyrese Halliburton. One of the best young players. You know what? Forget one of the best young players. He's one of the best players in the league. All right. Probably right outside maybe the top 10, 12 players in the league. Tyrese Halliburton. Excellent player. Tonight's going to be a fun night. Tonight, Hopefully Jimmy Butler's back. You know, Jimmy Butler missed the last game. Uh, the Heat. They're going to need the scoring here tonight. I mean, look. Can, can you get involved in a track meet with this Pacer team? It's going to be about that heat defense, but you do need the scoring here so you can try and keep up a little bit. So Jimmy Butler, he's listed as questionable tonight. Haywood Highsmith, he's listed as questionable. Super important to get Haywood back because we're talking about needing to defend this Indiana team. I mean, look. The Heat didn't have any trouble scoring the other night against Milwaukee, but Milwaukee kind of stinks defensively the start of this season. Tyler Hero, he is still listed as out. We're hoping he'll be back sometime soon. So, you got a fun game going on at Kaseya Center tonight. The Panthers, you don't want to lose back-to-back games. You already did that a few uh last week. So, the Panthers looking to get back in the win column tonight against a, a very average Montreal team who played last night. And Sergei Bobrovsky will likely be back in that. Although, Anthony Stolars was excellent the other night. Giving up just the one goal in regulation against Toronto. Also, while we're all enjoying, you know, the, the action tonight, Zazlo, you going ha- to have the Heat on the Big TV in the Zazlo Mansion family room, or are you can have the Panthers on the big TV in the Zazo Mansion family room. Well, the answer to that is neither. So tonight, back on with the home girl Amber Wilson. I'm co-hosting on Amber and Ian tonight, ESPN Radio, 7 p.m. Uh, looking forward to it. Love doing the shows with her. Love that ESPN is using me a ton. Uh, I owe, I owe uh, a, you know, a, a, really all the thanks to Amber for doing that, for helping get that going. And, and so I'm, I'm excited again every time I get to work with her. So tonight, 7 o'clock, ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80, or locally on the affiliate, on the, the local affiliate in West Palm, ESPN FM 106.3 West Palm. So you can listen there as well. And yeah, so seven to ten p.m. tonight, seven to ten p.m. tonight, filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons. He's got the college football. So alongside Amber Wilson tonight, seven to ten. Looking forward to that. So here, here's what you do. All right, you're listening to whenever you're listening to this right now in the future. All right, so you have information I don't have. Maybe maybe some crazy things happen. No spoilers. All right, but you have information I don't. So you'll be listening to this right now in the future, and then maybe when you get done with this. I don't know. You go do whatever you got to do. You spend a little time with your, with your family, your kids. I don't know what you got going on. And then at 7 o'clock, you listen to Amber and Ian with me filling in tonight alongside my girl, Amber Wilson. So maybe you have us on, like in the background or, you know, on your your, your Alexa or, 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 you know, on your phone, whatever you got going on. I don't know your situation. And you're watching the Heat game or you're watching the Panther game at the same time or... You got Thursday night football tonight. You got Seahawks, Cowboys, pretty good game, all right? I mean, the Seahawks are not that good on the road. Cowboys, I think, have won 13 in a row at home. But it's a game that has stakes, all right? So my setup, though, I'm going to be doing the show with Amber tonight. And I'll have the Heat game on my iPad. I told you my setup. So we'll have Thursday night football. This is the second week in a row I've done Thursday with her, I believe. Yeah, second or my, yeah, I think second week in a row I've done Thursday with her. So I got to have the Thursday night football on the TV here in the Zaslow Mansion studio, all right, which is the Zaslow Mansion master bedroom, just a few feet away from where all the magic happens. Everybody knows that. So on the TV, I'll have Thursday night football. I got my computer going, which is how I communicate with Bristol and the producer and the, the screen so I can see everything that's going on there. And on my iPad, I will have... The Heat game. So that's how we're going to roll tonight. And then after I'm off the air at 10 p.m., the Heat game will be ending. I'll be able to go downstairs at that point and put on the Panther game. No spoilers, all right? I'll be able to put on the Panther game and see if they were able to get two points against the Canadiens tonight. While also keeping track of the end of the football. So Thursday's a good sports night, all right? We got things happening tonight. So I'm very excited to be here with you. Also, that it's Thursday means we got to get our fantasy football lineups set. And that means our pal Jamie Eisenberg, CBS Sports, fantasy football. He joins us every Thursday for years now and helps us set our fantasy football lineups. So, Jamie will join us here coming up. He'll get his thoughts on the Dolphins, uh, tonight's game, but also get the good matchups for fantasy football. How about this Sunday, 1 p.m. NFL on Fox, Dolphins at the Commanders. Adam Amin and Mark Schlereth are on the call. We haven't talked to Mark Schlereth in a while. We're going to get Schlereth on the show. So Mark Schlereth will join us today. We'll talk Dolphins, Commanders. And, and hey, you know what? Like, he's based out of Denver. He, he does morning radio there in Denver. And we got to see him. Hey, Mark, the Dolphins have one win against a team that's over 500 this year. And inexplicably, it's the Broncos. A team they beat by 50. So we'll get Schlereth on, like I said. Uh he's a good dude. Have not spoken to him. Maybe, I don't know, a year and a half, maybe it's it's been a while. He's excellent. So Mark Schlereth will be on the show today. We'll talk to him about Mike McDaniel, ask him about the about the the, the narrative, the fraud narrative around the Dolphins, all that good stuff. So <clears throat> looking forward to catching up with Schlereth. But also, today's Thursday. You know how that goes. Let's get to some mailbag questions. All right, here we go. So let's start things off here. This is from this from a man, Chris. Chris asks, Zazlo. load management has become a poison of the NBA. Does it bother you that the Heat have become a load management team? This is a great cre- a question, Chris, because I talked about this a few days ago, where I don't know that I would classify them as a load management team, but... One of the things that we love so much about the Heat, right? One of the things that we love about Heat culture is they're different. Teams built different, hardest working, nastiest, toughest, most physical, disliked team in the NBA, right? Are they going to be using that court tonight? I don't know. I love it, but one of the things we love, we love about the Heat is they're different. And the main thing is the main thing, and they take basketball, they take the game, they take their business. Very serious. And so it does bother me when they look like they're more and more like the other teams where guys are resting, even if they don't want to say it's rest. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy's already sat out a few times this year. I mean, Jimmy sat out the whole preseason. And I get it where, you know, their approach to it may certainly benefit come playoff time. But then in that, if that's their M.O., they are becoming more and more like every other team. And by the way, I'm never going to understand, all right, we don't want Jimmy playing tonight back-to-back, even though that's not what we're talking about here. But why does why does player X, and in this case we're talking about Jimmy Butler, why does he have to not play? What if he only plays the second half? I mean, what if... What if he doesn't play, and this way they limit the minutes. So Jimmy only plays the second half. Maybe in 24 second half minutes, maybe he plays 15 of them. So he plays most of the second half, but for the night, he only played 15 minutes. That's nothing. What kind of way? Like, wouldn't that be the better way to load manage, if you will? He doesn't play the first half. Maybe you get to halftime of that game, and you're down by four. All right, guess what? Now you got Jimmy Butler, who's going to play the rest of the game. And you're only trailing by four points. That, that sounds like a win. I don't understand why they don't do that. I think that part of why they don't do that is because of the stats. is because of the averages. Because, I mean, hell, if you only play half the game, or in this instance I'm talking about only playing 15 minutes, and you're averaging 22 points per game, your average is going to go down. Your rebounds are going to go down. Your assists are going to go down. You're only playing a little bit. But it's better for the team, but not for your stats. So, yeah, it does bother me. Because then they become less and less what they're about. And they become more like every other team. So, yes, that bothers me. Mike in West Palm asks, best sound of scoring? Thud from a dunk? Crack of a bat? Or off the post goal in hockey? I'm going to go off the post or off the crossbar in hockey. Because... And the reason I say that, not only is it a cool sound, but because most of the time, it doesn't go in when that happens. Most of the time, it bounces off the post or off the crossbar. So when you hear that sound and it went in, that's always really cool. So, yeah, I'm going to go the, 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 the off the post, off the crossbar, the sound that makes. All right, next question. This is from, this is from Barry. Barry says, Zazlow, odds that the Heat will stick with this current roster the whole season or make a trade before the deadline." I, well, we're talking odds, right? So, so odds are they're going to stick with this roster because, as we see, it's hard making trades. Now, trade season like officially starts in two weeks. I think it's December fifteenth when like everyone becomes trade eligible. So things will really begin to pick up then. But I, I, my best guess is this is the roster. This is the team. Especially because maybe before the season started, if that cockroach Joe Cronin, the general manager from the Blazers, was actually willing to talk to the Heat about Damian Lillard, the Heat may have given them Jaime Hawkes Jr. And now, I think the Heat are extremely hesitant to even talk about Jaime Hawkes Jr. in a package that doesn't include one of the best players in the league coming back to Miami. And who would that guy even be? So... I, I think that he'd probably stick with his current roster. Kyle says, What current NFL division leader won't win their division? And he adds, I oddly think the 49ers lose a few in a row to Seattle and Philly. That puts them at number two in the NFC West. This also may age terribly. All right. Yeah, I, I think San Francisco is is back. I think that, I think that part of your question is going to age terribly because... I, I don't think Seattle catches San Francisco, and obviously the Rams and Cardinals are not going to either. So I think that part will age poorly. But which division leader right now do I think has the best chance at not hanging on? All right, let's take a look, man. Come on. So so certainly I think the Dolphins are running away with this division. They're three games up. But as far as the other ones, you know, Baltimore is one game up. So you got to look at the loss column. Baltimore is one up on Pittsburgh and Cleveland, I don't see either of those teams catching them. Pittsburgh, I think, is Fugazi, and I think the Browns are about to drop off. You saw some of that this past week when they lost to uh, well, was the Broncos. Jacksonville is two up on Indianapolis. I do not see them giving that up. Kansas City is two up on Denver. I think of the, believe it or not, I think of the four teams in the AFC, the Chiefs have the best chance of giving it up because Denver's playing so well, and I, I just I'm not feeling it with this Kansas City team. Now, that doesn't mean I think that it's going to happen. Dallas is two back of Philadelphia. I don't see them catching the Eagles. The, the, the Lions are three up. No one's going to catch them at this point. Uh, San Francisco, like you said, is two up on Seattle. So here's what it comes down to. Either the Chiefs or the leader in the NFC South, which is Atlanta right now. So obviously, and th- this kind of taking the easy way out, It's Atlanta. Atlanta right now is in a virtual tie with New Orleans. Both teams are five and six. And Tampa's just one game back. I could see Tampa winning that division, even though they're third right now, because that division sucks. And there's no reason to believe that any of those teams is going to remain on top when they're currently on top right now. So I go the Falcons and the NFC South, but if I had to pick another one, I would actually go Chiefs. I I just, I don't believe in the Chiefs this year. Next question. This is from... Hang on, let me let me, gather, let me gather everything here. Everybody, calm down. All right, this next question is from my man Big Will. Number one, Zazlo. In light of the Jalen Phillips injury, what do you think the most? What do you think was the most impactful injury in South Florida sports history? Yeah, I'm I'm going. Yeah, I'm gonna go Dwayne Wade in 2005. Dwayne Wade injured himself in what was it in Game Five? He got hurt, right, in the Eastern Conference Finals against Detroit, Shaq's first year here. And then he couldn't play in Game 6 when the Heat were able to clinch the series in Detroit, and they got smoked. And then in Game 7, the Heat had to shoot him up with, uh, you know, he got like the cortisone the, the shots, So he was able to play well in the second half of Game 7. The Heat ended up losing that game in the very end. I think that Heat team was better than Detroit, I think if Wade never got hurt, they would have beaten Detroit, and I think they would have beaten San Antonio in the 2005 NBA Finals. So, yeah, I'm going Dwayne Wade getting hurt in the conference finals in 2005 as the most impactful injury in South Florida sports history because I think it costs us a championship. Big Will has a second question. Is Jalen Ramsey the best DB to play for the Dolphins? Yeah, the answer is yes. Now, you've had great guys, notably Patrick Sertan, Sam Madison, but... Neither one of them would have been called the best cornerback in the NFL. Definitely best quarterback duo in the NFL, Sam Madison and Pat Sertan. Definitely best duo in Dolphins history. And maybe this one will pass them. It really depends on how Xavier Howard plays. But neither of them was what Jalen Ramsey is. So yeah, Jalen Ramsey, best DB ever to play for the Dolphins. All right, next question here. This is from Peter. Peter says, Zaslow, Neil Rogers, the greatest of all time, or is he the greatest of all time? I'll hang up and listen. I mean, Neil Rogers wasn't really a sports talk show host. He loved hockey. He was a big Maple Leafs guy. But that was really the extent of his sports stuff. He was a hockey guy. So just as far as radio show, greatest of all time? Like, I mean, I think Howard Stern's the greatest of all time. So are you asking me, is Neil Rogers the greatest of all time locally? He might be. He might be. My dad, I mean, I heard Neil Rogers growing up a lot because my dad was a huge Neil Rogers fan. So locally, yeah, Neil Rogers probably greatest of all time. Saul asks Zaslow, number one, can the Dolphins end up with the number one seed? Yeah, Dolphins can end up with number one seed. Yeah. You know what, we'll ask ask Jamie Eisenberg about it when we get him on before we talk to fantasy football with him. But absolutely, the Dolphins can end up with the number one seed. I think it's most important to get number, well, to make sure you at least get number two where you get two home playoff games. But yeah, the Dolphins can end up with number 1. They have to they have to get to 11 and 3. And then they play Dallas at home, but not even talking about that game because that's an NFC game. They then have to win at Baltimore. If they if they don't win these next three games to get to 11 and 3 and they don't win at Baltimore, then they will not get number 1 in the AFC. They have to get to 11 and 3. Do you want them to lose at home to Dallas? No, of course not. But at least that would be an NFC game. I think it's a lot to ask for for the Dolphins to win the rest of their games and finish 14-3, and all right? So y- y- if you're going to lose a game, let it be the Dallas game. You have to win at Baltimore. Next up, Saul Azazel. Book the Royal Rumble card. Oh, so hard. I will tell you, I'm going to Royal Rumble. Me and my younger son, Jordan, we're going. We're going to Tampa, St. Pete, Tropicana Field. I'm hoping that we're getting Seth Rollins defending the world title against CM Punk. That would be amazing. And I'm hoping we're getting Roman Reigns defending the Universal title against Randy Orton. So if we get those two matches, and I think we could, that would be amazing. I think you got a number of dudes who could actually win the Royal Rumble. Ranging from Cody Rhodes to Gunther to... Jey Uso, uh, and that's and that's if guys like Randy Orton and CM Punk are not in the actual Royal Rumble match. I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm very excited. And, and finally here, Alex asks, Zazlo you still don't eat chicken wings? I remember this from like 20 years ago on your show. Okay, you're a great fan, Alex, and yes, you do remember that. I don't like eating food with my fingers, with my hands, because I don't like getting all messy. I don't like getting the hands all messy. I don't like getting the face all messy. But I did eat chicken wings a few years ago. And chicken wings are really good. I got to admit, I was wrong about it. But still, it's a rarity for me to eat chicken wings. I, I, it's, it's still not something that I, that I particularly order. But I'm not against it anymore. Chicken wings are really good. And I will eat chicken wings if they're in front of me, and that's what's to eat. When otherwise, like, if ribs are in front of me, I will not eat it. It's way too messy. I don't think they taste good enough to be worth the trouble. And that right there is another edition of Thursday's Zazlo Show 2.0 mailbag. All when right, we're get to, we'll get to some football. We're going to get to a little more football. Dolphins, Commanders, Mark Schlereth is going to join us in a second here. But first, guys, I want to tell you uh, it's the holiday season. What better time than now, than to treat yourself to a brand new ride. If you're thinking about that I send you to the only car dealership I personally endorse, you know I'm talking about North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. At North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, you're getting that car shopping experience that you crave where North Fort Lauderdale Subaru is going to treat you the customer with an exceptional experience at their brand new state-of-the-art facility on North Andrews Avenue. It's that beautiful building. You can see it from I-95 at the Cypress Creek Road exit. And at North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, not only is there so much to choose from, you're getting a relaxed indoor car shopping experience, you'll be treated like royalty, but maybe you're just looking for your current vehicle to get serviced. And you know what? They service all makes and models. You don't have to currently be driving a Subaru to have their top-notch service team service your vehicle. And with an extensive new and pre-owned Subaru inventory, plus used cars, trucks, SUVs of every make and model, you're going to find your next vehicle at North Fort Laurel Subaru. And... All new Subarus and most pre-owned vehicles come with a lifetime warranty, so you know you're covered. What if I told you right now you could lease the 2024 Subaru Outback Premium for just $321 a month for 36 months, with only $59.95 due at signing with approved credit. Go to nflsubaru.com. That's nflsubaru.com for full details. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, the location you know, with an experience you'll love. All right, so we got Dolphins and Commanders this Sunday afternoon. It's it's a part of the schedule that the Dolphins, you got to win these next few games. And then, of course, the final three games, you get a major, major test going into the postseason. Mark Schleret joining us as he has the call with Adam Amin. They're going to be in D.C. this weekend on Fox, Dolphins, Commanders. Always good to have you aboard here, Mark. I appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, let's first start with the, the general narrative around this dolphin team you can only play you can only beat who's on your schedule but they haven't beaten anyone that's over 500 except now the denver broncos who happen to be <laughs> over 500 it's the only <laughs> uh, amazingly it's the only over 500 team they've beaten so far this year what do you make of that narrative surrounding the team
1: oh uh, well i mean it, it is one of those things that everybody talks about obviously um And the one team they did beat, as you mentioned, the Denver Broncos, they hung a 70-burger on their asses. So, I mean, it's – you know, when you watch them on tape, they are so talented. Um, You know, I made a note to myself as I was studying them last night. They are are the closest thing to a video game. They're the closest thing to Madden that I have ever seen on tape. It is remarkable how fast they are, how quickly they get the ball to their receivers in space how dynamic they are, the amount of uh, big-time explosive plays that they get, it is, it's is—it's remarkable to watch them play. And defensively, we're overshadowing how good they are on the defensive side of the ball. Jalen Phillips obviously crushes them because he was playing so exceptionally well. But I guess I just don't make a lot of, hey, man, they've, they've lost to some good teams. Yeah, you know what? That's the way it goes, and that's part of the – the growing process and the learning process of how to be a winner. You know, I always say that winning doesn't happen when you win. It it happens way before you win. You have to start developing what it takes to win and what it takes to win in those particular games. And sometimes I think the path for them has been so easy against the other teams that when it does get tough, that's where you have to learn, can we play a little bit different style? Can we protect the ball Can we play keep away? Can we possess the ball instead of scoring so quickly? Like a few little tweaks here and there. And that's a process, right? That's a process of getting better. Getting better is the process. Being better is the result. That's the process of getting better. And that's just something they're going to have to continue to work on. But they are fun. I mean, they're both fun to watch on tape and both frightening to watch on tape as a former player because they are that good.
0: Uh, Give me some thoughts here, Mark, on – on Mike McDaniel in his second year now, how would a coach of his style have played back when you were in the league in the nineties, mm-hmm. you know, like how would, w- would the player from the nineties have been able to play under a guy like Mike McDaniel?
1: I think you can play under anybody who's authentic. I, I think that's the biggest key and why the mo- the majority of guys fail Is they're trying to be somebody that they're not, you know, they're trying to emulate the coach that brought them up and Mike McDaniel is authentically quirky. You know, he is, he's a different cat. And, you know, this is, I'm, I'm so excited to sit down with Mike McDaniel. Like this is going to be probably the most anticipated sit down I've had with a head coach Mm -hmm. because Mike McDaniel was my ball boy. Wow. I re- I remember Mike McDaniel like it was yesterday when he was 14, 15 years old, being a ball boy for the Denver Broncos. So when I was playing in Greeley at training camp, Mike McDaniel is our ball boy. So, you know, I've, I've joked around, man. I think I'm going to bring a locker or, a, you know, a locker into the uh, meeting room and stuff him in there, you know, something, uh, something to remind me of old mm-hmm, times. Mm-hmm. But I, I am, I-, I just, I just find him you know, quirkily authentic, and as long as you're authentic, and as long as you are who you are, guys from any generation will respect that. And I think he's got the respect of his football team. There are formations, there are things I don't even know how to chart them. I like I don't like it. It is so funny because I am so tied into that offense where he came from, from San Francisco, and obviously with the Shanahan's, I'm very tight with the Shanahan's. So I spend a lot of time with Mike Shanahan going through the playbook. I mean, I know the formations. I know what they're trying to do. I know what they're trying to exploit. I know, you know, how they're trying to marry the run game and the pass game together. I know all that stuff. And then I watch your guys' tape and I don't even know what to call some of the plays. They are, it is such a metamorphosis from what Kyle Shanahan does to what Mike McDaniel does. And it's all rooted in the same stuff. But I'm telling you what it's it's a completely different uh, you know it's a completely different tentacle if you will to to what they're doing in Miami as opposed to what uh, Kyle Shanahan's doing in San Francisco.
0: What uh, what do you make of Tyreek Hill recently? He came out and he said that this Dolphin team is more talented than the Chiefs team that he won the Super Bowl on. And while it sounds like a little bit of a crazy thing to say, a I- Tyreek Hill has said a number of crazy things since joining the dolphins and he's <laughs> and he's been right about all of them, you know, like specifically yeah. when it came to Tua. So what do you, what do you make of that?
1: Uh, I am going to defer to the knowledge that he has, uh, the intimate knowledge that he has of his football team. And uh, I don't think there's, I don't think there's probably any question like with, with Hill and Waddle and the receiving core that you guys have. And, the running backs and the way you use your running backs Um, like there it's so interesting because the NFL is a kind of a between the numbers game and college is more outside the hashes you know that the hashes are obviously wider so it's kind of like an outside the numbers game the Miami Dolphins are the most outside the numbers football team in the National Football League they're the most almost collegiate you know, spread, get our guys the ball in space outside the numbers where they have to defeat a corner one on one who really doesn't, isn't that interested in tackling anyhow. And they do it better than anybody I've ever seen do it. And so, and the speed they have, the athleticism they have, but, you know, that, that tends to, it tends to cloud the physicality that they play with. They kick your ass like it's it's I think they are so talented and so fast that you don't expect to get punched in the mouth. And they're almost they're almost a. Power football team. Out of and this is crazy to me, out of shotgun. Which. Is in my mind, impossible, I'm watching I'm watching plays where. The running back in shotgun, the running back is is it's like near or far right he's either on the right or the left if the tight ends on the left he and he's on the left it's near so let's call it near gun and they're running a wide 18 play nobody else in the league does it Hmm. from that because you get trapped by the quarterback so it's all mid-zone stuff and they're finding ways they even loop the back around the back of the quarterback in near i've never seen that Hmm. so you just see these little tiny wrinkles And every time I see a wrinkle or a formation that I don't even know how to call it, I go, okay, well, I just watched them run the ball out of that. What's the adjunct to that? What's the adjunct run to that? And what's the adjunct play action off of that look? And then Tua, like Tua's ability to – now he's turned the ball over some here, especially in recent weeks. uh, But his ability to throw the ball with timing into just a window and trust that his receiver is going to get there um, – that's he is the best anticipatory thrower that i've watched this year and i watch a a boatload of film i mean a boatload so I, what they're doing is is pretty incredible it really is
0: Sorry to break up the conversation here, guys, but I want to make sure that you got the best homeowner's insurance out there. And that's why I direct you to Brunt Insurance. I've been getting my homeowner's insurance from Brunt Insurance for about 10 years now. And I keep going back. I keep going back. I keep renewing because I know I have the most comprehensive coverage out there. And I'm getting it at the most affordable rate there is. You know, some of you guys, you're listening now on the west coast of Florida. God forbid you got some damage to your home because of the storm yesterday. Brunt Insurance, 954-589-2204, or you go to bruntinsurance.com. And yes, anywhere in Florida, Brunt Insurance has you covered. They have locations all throughout the state. So you could be calling from Pensacola or all the way down to the Keys and beyond. Greg Brunt and his team at Brunt Insurance, his fully licensed staff, They have the expertise. They have the experience. They know what area you're calling from. So they're going to know exactly what type of coverage you need, what kind of policies you have to make sure you have. Hey, that also includes trailers and motorhomes. Let the team at Brunt Insurance help you learn more about your policy options so you're making an informed decision that's not going to keep you up at night. And you don't even have to own your home. Renters insurance, condo insurance, all the options out there. It could make your head spin. Brunt Insurance specializes in making the confusing crystal clear. When you call 954-589-2204, you're making the right call. Bruntinsurance.com, the only insurance agency that I'm going to send you to. Help me understand something as an offensive lineman. Like you, you mentioned Tua, he gets the ball out very fast. So that obviously helps when it comes to the offensive line and protecting him. But overall, the Dolphins' offensive line has been very, good this year after about a thousand years of the Dolphins offensive line being terrible. They've spent high draft picks on offensive linemen. All right. They've spent money on offensive linemen. What's the balance as far as importance level Mark, when it comes to talent on the offensive line and the coaching or the scheme that the offensive line is going by, what's the balance there?
1: Yeah. um, You can, You know, it's like, it's like the fingers on a hand to make a fist. I always say this about offensive line is all five of us can be doing the wrong thing. As long as all five of us are doing the wrong thing together, (laughs) it's going to work out. We're going to be okay. And a lot of great offensive line play to me is more about the play caller than it is the necessary, like the individuals that play offensive line. You can have some. You can have some guys that are, you know, deficient in a skill, so to speak. But if you are really good as a group, and you really understand the game, and your play caller calls it efficiently, well, you're going to be successful. And and I'll give you, a for instance. So, let's say that um, the average team. Let's say that the, the Dolphins are going to throw it 35 times. Okay, if you're going to throw it 35 times. How can I whittle those 35 attempts down to seven or eight legitimate pass rushing opportunities for the defense? So now I'm throwing a couple of swing passes to the backs, right? I'm throwing three swing passes to the backs. I'm throwing three or four bubble screens. I'm throwing a couple, um, you know, a couple spot routes, a couple now routes that are three-step drops, a couple shallow crosses, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I've gone, you know, five screens slash bubble screens. I've gone five three-step drops where I swing it to the back. I throw five more, you know, like shallow crosses or little spot routes, you know, that are three-step drops. Bam, the ball is out. Right now, a little snag concept, right? But two-man snag, a three-man snag concept. The ball is out. It's a three-step drop. I don't even have to worry about it. It's going to be out under two seconds, right? So now I've whittled all that down to, let's call it, 20 plays. Okay, now let's add my play action, my hard-run action, boot or waggle out the backside or the front side, okay? There's another play that I don't truly have to protect, right? I can come off the ball and show run, and even if I get beat, we're going to boot out on the backside. We're going to get away from it, okay? So there's another five plays there. So now I'm down to 15 plays. Now i got a couple of play passes where I keep seven guys in. I'm running a two-man route with two of the fastest dudes in the world, right, with Tyreek and Waddle. So now I've got it down to 10, 10 plays. And now I've got ten plays effectively that I actually have to pass protect, and they're five step drops, you know, or I could put a couple five step drops in there with zero hitches, so the quarterback hits his fifth step and the ball's out. Well, guess what? I can do now. I can change my set. I can say, well, I'm going to up kick this. I'm going to run block it, even though it's a five step drop, because I know how quickly the ball's out. I know the timing of the offense. So now all of a sudden, I've, I've whittled that down to let's call it six plays where I have to protect. If I can't protect six plays. Then I suck, and you need to find a different offensive lineman. So that's how you can take a a group that maybe hasn't necessarily performed yeah. as well as you would have liked, and you can through play call and go shoot. All of a sudden, we're great. Well, the play caller has a lot to do with that. I'll tell you the other thing they do exceptionally well is even in their in, even in their tight zone kind of play. And they've got, they've got, I mean, they do a lot of different stuff, but even in their tight zone stuff, they'll run a lot of that tight stuff out of pitch. And they run the backside. Like it's like, if you're going, if you're going 14 pitch, right. To the right side, they'll run it on the backside and the front side. Like it's 18. So they get movement through the way, the style with which they block it. And they get linebackers to displace an extra foot and it's an actual, it's actual, really a, a tight zone play, almost a tight cutback play. And so you get this placement based upon the look that you give the guys. And you know what you're doing is you're trying to get them to go further than you want to instead of cutting them off. And you're cutting them off the backside, understanding the back is going to cut back. So there's, there's nuance to what they're yeah. doing that really, that really helps and changes, you know, just changes the way you as a defense see it every week. It's different than what you see every week. And that creates, you know, that creates a lot of those explosive plays because you're eight inches out of position, eight inches out of position. And most touches the ball. See you. Goodbye. He's going to run by you. I mean, it just is the way it is.
0: That is uh, that is a really solid explanation, Mark. Thank you. I appreciate you doing this this morning. I'll let you go on this. The Broncos. Give me something on the Broncos here. Did you, Could you possibly have imagined the Monday morning you're doing your show after the Dolphins win 70 to 20 and we're here in a spot where, you know what? The Broncos can make the
1: playoffs. The most embarrassing game I've ever watched. Like the most embarrassing game I've ever watched. I, I, you know, I wanted to fire everybody. I wanted everybody fired. Uh, It's the first time in my career at ESPN, at Fox, in the radio, where I was like, you got, you got to fire, people have to get fired. First time I've ever done that. And I am blown away by what has transpired. It's why you need to have an adult coaching your football team. Yeah. Um, and Sean Payton is certainly an adult, but one of the big things that Sean does exceptionally well um, is it's not only finding the strength of your football team and leaning into that, but it's mitigating weakness is even more important. So, yeah, you know, I always say put a, put a guy in a position to fail. Don't be surprised when he fails. You're the dumbass that put him there, right? And he has completely, completely simplified and paired that offense down to what Russell Wilson does exceptionally well. They run the ball. They throw the swing passes. They only throw it about 24 times a game. Um, they possess the ball, they make you feel like you've got a you got to break tackles, they make you feel like, hey man, we're limited on possessions, we're not gonna get 12. All of a sudden we're only gonna get seven. And you do things you normally wouldn't do, and that's how turnovers happen. You know, you get a receiver instead of going down on a you know, on a on a third down where he's got the first down, he fights for two extra yards, and now all of a sudden the caliber gets there, they populate the ball, boom, somebody punches it out and it's on the ground, and people say, Well, it's not sustainable. well. well if you play that way, you're gonna. You may not get three turnovers a game, but you're gonna win the turnover battle. And we both know if you win the turnover battle, you know what you do. You win in the National Football League. So that's really what they're doing, and it's a um, phenomenal kind of quote unquote Coach of the Year type performance. If they if they get in the playoffs, it, it's got to come down. I mean, Mike McDaniel would be in there, obviously. D'Amico Ryan's in Houston yeah. would be in there, but I think you got to put Sean Payton. I think we all had expectations for Detroit. As good as Dan Campbell, the good as the job as he has done, we all had expectations there. I don't think anybody really had expectations in Denver or in Houston. So those two would be those two would be front runners for me, McDaniel's. Um, depending on how they finish the season, would be right there too. Or McDaniel, um, I did I, I I give it plural. You made him plural. That. I I can make him plural because I've known him since he was a little snot nosed <laughs> punk. <laughs>
0: Great job, Mark. I appreciate you doing this this morning. Safe
1: trip this week to D.C. Hey, my pleasure, ass. Take care, buddy.
0: Excellent job by Schlereth there. And by the way, tonight, Thursday night football, Seahawks and Dallas. Here's what we're looking at, okay? Seahawks currently the number six spot in the NFC, six and five. They're not going to catch – I mean, if they win tonight, they could potentially catch Dallas. They're two games back of Dallas. They're a game up in the loss column on Minnesota. It feels like Minnesota, like, like kind of – it feels like they're dropping off now. They had a fun little run, five wins in a row. Now back-to-back losses. I mean, they are going to get Justin Jefferson back, but but it feels like it's starting to catch up with them. Seattle on the road this season is just two and three. Dallas, awesome at home. I, you know, D- Dallas wins tonight. They, you know, and if you get a Philadelphia loss against San Francisco, they're only one game back of Philly. I know Jerry Jones spoke this week about not looking ahead toward Philly. I don't think that happens so much, especially because that game's in 10 days, you know. But Dallas wins tonight, and if San Francisco could beat Philadelphia, all of a sudden, Philadelphia is only one up on San Francisco, and the Niners would own the tie break, and they'd only be one up on Dallas. So, th- this is a huge game for Dallas tonight. It's a huge game for Seattle also, obviously. You know what else is huge? making sure you get the best sleep possible. And I'm getting the best sleep every night cuz I sleep on Sheets and Giggles. What if I told you if you go to sheetsgiggles.com and you use promo code ZASLO, you'll get 20% off your entire first order. That's right. 20% off your entire first order at SheetsGiggles.com when you use promo code ZASLOW, Z-A-S-L-O-W. And then every time you go back, there's all kinds of promos and deals going on. My man Colin, he's the founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles. He's slashing prices all the time. Heck, follow them at SheetsGiggles on Twitter. You'll see after Heat wins, Panther wins, Dolphin wins, he's putting out all kinds of promo codes there. But make sure the first time that you buy those soft, cool, the most breathable sheets. We're talking from eucalyptus trees, and Sheets and Giggles is making sure that they're keeping it environmentally friendly and safe, and you're still getting the best sleep of your life. I got the Sheets and Giggles sheets. I got the blankets, I have the comforter, I sleep on a eucalyptus pillow. You could get a eucalyptus mattress at sheetsgiggles.com, but make sure you use promo code ZASLOW, Z A S L O W, 20% off your first order at sheetsgiggles.com. Again, promo code ZASLOW, sheetsgiggles.com. All guests on ZASLOW Show 2.0 brought to us by the official beer of the program, Johnny Cuba, European roots with that Caribbean soul a refreshing German lager in a can. You know what I'm talking about. Pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba, your local Sedano's, Presidente, Winn-Dixie, Fresco, e Going to be available real soon in some extra locations as well. Excited to tell you about that coming up. Remember, always drink responsibly. And of course, don't forget Johnny Cuba's mantra, stay to Kilo. Our pal is CBS Sports fantasy football expert, Jamie Eisenberg. He joins us every Thursday. Going to help us set our fantasy football lineup beginning with tonight. Week thirteen gets going. Seahawks, Dallas Cowboys. Jamie, how you doing today? Hello.
2: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm good, man. So let's uh, let let's do a little big picture stuff before we get into the actual fantasy matchups here. We have a logjam in the AFC. Baltimore sitting atop at nine and three, and they got three teams, all division leaders, at eight and three right now. Give me your thoughts on the Dolphins' chances. A to win the AFC East, I mean, they're three up on Buffalo now. It's looking like they could wrap that baby up in a couple weeks if everything that breaks right for them. And B, do you see a route where they could get the number one seed overall in the AFC?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, yes to both. I think they should win the AFC East. Um, and and as they're running away with it, should continue to run away with it. I mean, we see Buffalo, you know, they they looked a little bit better offensively against the Eagles, but still have trouble stopping people and you know, Josh Allen's been in a very turbulent type of year, and Sean McDermott's having some issues coaching as well. So uh feels like the Dolphins are going to run away with the division. They absolutely have a path to the one seed. You know, I mean, I I think, honestly, the, the biggest threat might be uh, Jacksonville, just based on their schedule. You know, the fact that they're able to overcome the Texans uh, in the game last week and, and give themselves a little bit of a small cushion, but a cushion um it feels like jacksonville's path is a little bit easier but you know i mean miami definitely does not have a a a difficult path that they can't navigate you know the game against dallas a game against baltimore not going to be easy but um those games uh, i believe both are at home so should be an opportunity for miami to stay in the race for the one seed but yeah it's going to be fun you know i mean obviously kansas city's there uh baltimore you know dealing with a couple injuries you know big loss with mark andrews but Um, I think it's going to be fun to see who gets the one seed and then how the playoffs unfold because I do think there will be some wild cards depending on who get in Houston now Denver um, you know some of these games uh, teams that are that are turning the corner a little bit and playing a little bit better Indianapolis as well uh, to see how those teams are going to challenge some of those elite teams in the AFC
0: is Philadelphia the best team in the NFL right now or do you believe in San Francisco again.
2: Yeah, I think when San Francisco is healthy, their roster is just so good, You know, especially with the way Brock Purdy has played the season. So, you know, you have all those key parts and what Chase Young has done to that defensive line. Trent Williams on the offensive line. The skill players are great in San Francisco. So if they stay healthy, I think they are the best team. That doesn't mean that they're not beatable, but they certainly look like the best roster top to bottom. Uh, Philadelphia, you know, look, they, they find a way to get the job done. It's going to be a great game, but, you know, playing – uh, on a somewhat short week or at least shorter week than what San Francisco is dealing with since they last played on Thanksgiving. Uh, that defense was on the field against Buffalo for 95 snaps. That's a lot to overcome to have to go face San Francisco the next week. So uh, I think San Francisco wins that game, but that does not mean Philly can't beat them in the playoffs as we've seen injuries happen and, and you never know how it'll all take place.
0: Let's uh, Let's take a look at the game tonight. So Seahawks and Cowboys. Cowboys are awesome at home. I think it's 13 in a row now they've won at home it kind of seems like uh you know the 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 roof is closing in on the Seahawks here they're especially a different team on the road at six and five a what do you make of the game tonight it's a pretty I mean the game's got high stakes so we're into the game and who do you like as far as the matchups go
2: yeah I think Dallas you know should continue to do what they do at home um I I love what Dak Prescott's doing right now and just the way the offense is operating and that saying a lot because I wasn't expecting Mike McCarthy to get the best out of uh, Dak Prescott, but you know, we're certainly seeing a strong performance from him. The run games turned around the last couple of weeks with Tony Pollard. Um, the defense has been fantastic all season long, so it feels like they should win this game rather easily. Like you said, you know, Seattle has struggled on the road and they've, they've definitely showed some flaws lately. Geno Smith has taken a step back, they're dealing with some key injuries as well, you know, running back position for sure, without Ken Walker there. So Fantasy-wise, I think it's pretty cut and dry for the Cowboys. You know the three guys that you're definitely starting of of CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard, and Dak Prescott. And then it comes down to do you need a Brandon Cooks or do you need a Jake Ferguson? Um, With six teams on a bye, most likely those guys are going to be in a lot of lineups. For the Seahawks, I don't love a lot of their players. But, again, with six teams on a bye, it's hard to get away from a D.K. Metcalf, even Tyler Lockett. And then Zach Charbonnet, I didn't love his production last week, but he did get 17 total touches and four catches. So if he's going to be involved in the passing game, that gives him at least the opportunity to be a flex this week.
0: What do you make of what's going on in in Carolina? It's like it's not really surprising that Frank Reich was fired, but how much of Frank Reich and the coaching staff do you put the blame on them for, I guess, what has not happened so far with Bryce Young?
2: I mean, you got to put a little bit of blame on them, but I think they made the wrong choice. You know, I mean, especially what they gave up to go get Bryce Young. You know, I always thought he had the chance to be a decent quarterback, but I didn't think he was the best one in this class. I mean, you know, I, for me, it was going to be between Stroud and Richardson, uh, just based on how they profile. You know, a small quarterback like that, you got to be so special and do a lot of different things. You know, we don't get a lot of Drew Breeses and Russell Wilson's coming along that, you know, have the ability to overcome some of their size deficiencies. Kyler Murray is a little bit different guy because how much he runs. Uh, but Bryce Young just doesn't have that athletic profile. So to go to a bad team, you really have to have a lot of good things around him. And, you know, I, I know in comparing Stroud and Young, and they'll be compared forever, um, Stroud stepped into a better situation for two reasons. One, I think the the, the talent around him, despite maybe a, a questionable offensive line, mostly due to injuries, but um, we didn't know that Tank Dell was going to be this. You know, I, I liked him coming out, but I didn't think he profiled to be this good this quickly. Uh, Nico Collins was sort of an underwhelming receiver, and they went out and they made the, uh, addition of, of a guy like Dalton Schultz to give him a little bit of a, a veteran presence there. Same with Robert Woods. But my goodness, I mean, the talent around Bryce Young is terrible. The offensive line is taking a step back. The run game is non-existent. You know, they paid Miles Sanders and he's been a flop. So, you know, a lot of just bad decisions across the board there in Carolina. And unfortunately, Frank Reich was a scapegoat. Thankfully he's getting paid quite a bit, so I'm sure he'll be okay. But, you know, that's a tough job to be from a talent standpoint because they're way behind and giving up all the draft capital that they did to get Bryce Young it's going to be a while, I think, before that team is good.
0: Can you see another coach getting fired midseason?
2: Um, I mean, the only one that I think you look at is Brandon Staley, just because of such the underwhelming performances there for the Chargers. You know, and I, I know a lot of it, you're going to say injuries over the last couple of years, but you know, I don't know if that's a, a byproduct of bad training staff or just bad luck. Um, something's going on there because there are always guys getting injured. Now Joey Bosa's out. So they've wasted probably a year of Justin Herbert, you know, just in terms of development to taking the next step. Like it feels like he's regressed a little bit, um, and I don't know how much of that is on Brandon Staley. They made the change to of offense coordinator to bring in um, to bring in uh, what's his name from from Dallas. His name escaping me. Excuse me. Um, their their offense coordinator there. Uh, so you know, it just feels as if he's the next one to go. But will it happen mid season? We'll Kellen see. Kellen Moore, you know, I, I know right? He, uh, Kellen Moore, yes. Um, yeah. they you know they they. You know he's 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 making some grand statements, and to say like this is a game that they have to win at New England, and if he loses it, does the coaching, does the ownership say, right? Okay, that's it. You know, you, you put this on yourself, and now we're completely out of it. So he's probably the next one to go.
0: Let's take a look at the Dolphins. So one o'clock this Sunday, NFL on Fox. Dolphins, Commanders, certainly a game that the Dolphins should win. I mean, you talk about coaches who who are going to get fired. You know, pr- maybe not mid season, but Ron Rivera is definitely fired after
2: the season. What do we like in this game? Love to pass the passing game. I mean, the, the commanders with their pass rushers, when they still had Sweat and Chase Young, uh, were having a hard time stopping quarterbacks and wide receivers. And so that's, you know, this is a game where the Dolphins should be able to have some big plays down the field for Tua, to, uh, to Tyreek Kill and, and Jalen Waddle. The big question, you know, and, and I know you asked me about the injuries, is, is does Devon HN play? And if I'm the Dolphins, I do not play him. That's a terrible field. It's a terrible stadium. So, anybody with a knee concern or dealing with knee injuries, I would not play them at FedEx Field. So, I would think that he stays out one more week, which allows Raheem Mostert to have another big opportunity. And if you are stuck and he was available on waivers or still is, Jeff Wilson's going to get, you know, probably 10 total touches, if not 15 total touches. Could be a good flex play this week. This is just a bad defense for Washington. So, the Dolphins, the main guys, should hopefully do whatever they want to do.
0: Jamie, give me some of the sneaky good plays at the, uh, at the skill positions.
2: Well, if you need a quarterback again, there's six teams on a buy. So no Josh Allen, no Justin Fields, you know, um, you know, Lola no Jackson we're missing just a lot of key guys there. I like Gardner Minshew this week. Um, he's not been a great fantasy quarterback, but the Titans are bad in defending quarterbacks. So I think Minshew has an opportunity to help you if you're stuck. Um, Zach Moss is going to be, you know, not a sneaky play, but, you know, no more Jonathan Taylor just in terms of big injuries. So Zach Moss is clearly back in the fold as a potential top 10 running back. there dealing with with the situation there. But in terms of sneaky plays, again, Jeff is one. You know, I'll stay in the same game. Antonio Gibson, because I do think game flow matters and game script. I don't think Brian Robinson has a good game for the commanders running backs. Gibson prior to missing a game two weeks ago, the three prior games to that he had five catches in each game. And the Dolphins, for the most part, have done good against pass-catching running backs. But I think that's where Gibson will have an opportunity to make some plays. Curtis Samuel also in that same game, again, chasing points. Sam Howell's been 42 pass attempts or more in six straight games. So the receiving core there is, is sort of all wide open, including Terry McLaurin. But Samuel's coming off a good game if you're looking for a wide receiver. Keep an eye on the injury situation in New Orleans, uh, where Crystal Lave and Rashidi Heater banged up. It's a great matchup against the Lions. A.T. Perry is a sneaky rookie. Uh, they'll get some targets if, uh, if, if there's injury there. So there's a wide receiver that I like. And then from, um, for tight ends, if you're looking for somebody off the waiver wire, uh, Pat Fryermuth is coming off a huge game. So if he's still out there, go pick him up because I think the new offense for Pittsburgh, uh, will definitely benefit Pat Fryermuth based on what we saw last week.
0: Excellent job, Jamie. Uh, you mentioned a couple of the injury guys. Are there any others we need to keep an eye on the next couple of days?
2: Cleveland's got some big ones. Um, You know, you're looking at the quarterback first off if Dorian Thompson Robinson can't go. Here's Joe Flacco once again, uh, potentially starting in the NFL, and um, Amari Cooper dealing with an injury. So if it's Flacco and Cooper, I like Cooper a lot better. If it's DTR and Elijah Moore, I would stay away.
0: Jamie, great job, man. Tell everybody how they could hear you leading up to tonight's game and then through the games this weekend.
2: Uh, CBS Sports HQ, it's our 24-hour streaming network, and then our YouTube page, Fantasy Football Today, as well as our Fantasy Football Today podcast. Uh, we're helping you get those fantasy playoff wins that are going to be coming up. So check us out. Awesome. Thank you, Jamie. We'll talk next week, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one.
0: Excellent job, as always, by Jamie there. Hopefully he was able to help you out. Fantasy football playoffs are approaching. Only a couple weeks left. Make sure you got your lineup set tonight. Seattle and Dallas, let's get to big deal or not a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. We'll start things off, you know, Wednesdays, yesterday. My favorite day on First Take on ESPN. My colleagues, all right? Stephen A. Smith and Molly Karen. Those are my colleagues. I'm, I work at ESPN Radio, all right? And every Wednesday, they have my guy, Dog, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. He just, I mean, I love that everybody knows who he is now. And by the way, one of my favorite things about Dog's appearances on First Take is seeing how much Marcus Spears loves him. Marcus Spears loves him being on the show with Mad Dog well here's Christopher Mad Dog Russo yesterday going over his bad beats from the weekend I had the over of
3: Jacksonville and Houston In Houston the score was 24 21 he missed the field the over was 48 and a half oh even you could do God. the math oh Jacksonville doesn't God. score
2: at the one yard line last play of the first half
3: they drop passes all over the place he takes two sacks on the last time and then on the of the
0: idiot, hits the crossbar. He hit the crossbar. when, when they kick the field goal, it's 24. Days. Oh, I threw things. I let Bowen Molly
3: walk out the street. I was so upset. <laughs> <sad>. That <laughs> is a terrible you let
4: dogs
0: oh, go. I'm going big deal. I mean, again, my favorite part of it is is what joy Marcus Spears gets out of his interactions with dogs. I love it so much. I'm going big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. So how about this? This was actually from Tuesday night, NBA on TNT. And they're in the studio and it's Ernie and it's Candace Parker and Charles and Kenny Smith. And all of a sudden, Charles just picks up Kenny Smith's room key at the four seasons and start showing and telling everybody what room Kenny's staying in.
3: Uh, Anytime <laughs> soon. Hey, let's take a look at the, the schedule for next week because that hey guys, we have that now for Monday. and Kenny's
4: <laughs> yeah, in room five, five hey, ten. Yo. Oh man, That's
3: man. Wrong wrong can't you can't be man. doing that. Why you got your key on the thing? It's on the thing. It's not on. Hey, stuff. why thing, do you have your thing. key out anyway? Thank you. Going somewhere? I was. Kenny's in room five ten, y'all his phone number. I
4: need to get
3: my <laughs> hotel room. Charles' phone He's number, ready. y'all. Because <laughs> I'll be leaving here in forty-five minutes. Uh, anyway, hey, let's take a look at the at the schedule for uh, Monday and Tuesday.
0: I'm going big deal. Number one, dirty move by Barkley. But number two, it's a big deal because Kenny, Kenny could have really got Charles if he was actually going to read off Charles's cell phone. Charles would have had to change cell phone number. That's a massive pain in the ass than getting everybody to get your your cell phone your new cell phone number. So yeah, uh, I'm going big deal. Dirty move by Barkley. Kenny could have gotten him back real bad. Big deal or not a big deal. Here's Jason Kidd, Mavericks head coach, post game yesterday, and he's tired of the negative coverage around Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, and you know whether or not they work together. <laughs>
4: I think, maybe Tim, maybe it's the things that you guys thought should have happened day one is that they should be successful right off the bat, um, and it takes time. Failing is all right. It's not a bad thing to fail. Um, for a pro athlete because you can get better and learn from it and those two are the best in the world and we feel very comfortable with those two having the ball sometimes it goes in sometimes it doesn't Um, but we learn from it and I think they've answered that question um, from day one Um, as you just mentioned they're one of the best if not the best in clutch time but that was a big big thing you guys wanted to make a big deal about last year but you're not making a big deal about it this year because shit's going good Right. So write some positive shit.
1: I just
0: asked you a question,
4: and I'm giving you a fucking answer. <laughs> like, I'm t- you guys. You know, there's all right to write positive stuff. People will read your positive shit. <laughs> you don't always have to be negative, right? Like, it's it's just the world's already negative enough, right? So let's see some positive stuff on some positive people that are playing, doing their job on a nightly basis. Making a lot easier to do that this year. Well, we're only into this year. We can't go back to last year, right? Like that's the fucking problem. Have a good night.
0: I mean, I'm I'm going not a big deal, but I, I get where Jason Kidd is coming from there because he's sticking up for his guys. Like he knows that any little thing can set off Kyrie Irving. Number one. When, when you have Kyrie over on your team, this is what happens, and it's of his doing. Is the media going to slant negative around him and write more about the negative stuff or try and focus on things that aren't working as opposed to are working? Yes, and that's on Kyrie. That's his doing. That's his fault. But a kid just sticking up for his guys, and so I, I get where kid is coming from. Big deal or not a big deal? And how about this? So this is on Old Man in the Three, I believe. That's JJ Reddick's podcast. And he's got Tim Legler on with him. And listen to this praise from J.J. Redick on Heat rookie Jaime Jaquez Jr.
3: Jaime Jaquez Jr., outside of Chet Holmgren and Wemben Yama, has been the best rookie to me in the NBA this year. And, you know, not a hyped prospect, four-year guy out of UCLA, uh, not a lottery pick. The Miami Heat found sort of the perfect fit in Jaime Hawkins Jr. Uh, over his last 10 games, he's averaging uh, 15 points a game, four and a half rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.1 steals, shooting 50% from three. This was a guy that shot 32.8 from the college line for his career at UCLA. He's at 40% for the year. He's just ready to play. There's a maturity with his game. Um we talk all the time about like connectors and hubs and like, I think Bam primarily is the hub for the Miami Heat. Yeah, He's the guy that sort of connects all the dots, getting the ball side to side and score, you know, in the same vein as Jokic or Shen or Sabonis. Uh, Bam is that guy, but Haka's junior. He's also a connector because he plays the right way. High basketball intelligence, He's a fantastic athlete. Um, you know, he can pass. He can move. He can play off the dribble. He can post. There's just so many facets to his game. And I, I just, I, I've been blown away at, at that pick, at that spot for the Miami Heat.
0: I'm going big deal, especially because he's right. And I told you this from the get-go. This is why they selected him. And they, they wanted a kid who could help them. He may not have the ceiling. That some of the guys who were drafted around him have. But he's going to contribute right now. Like the Heat would rather a guy who's on, you know, who, who's who's like, let's say, a seven. But he's a seven right now. Who could help them win a championship, as opposed to a guy who may end up being a nine in a few years from now. The Heat would rather the guy that's a seven. And Jaime Haquez Jr. is clearly. A player who is going to help them win right now. I love it. I love he's getting the attention. I love watching him play every night. He's been one of the best parts of this early season. And this early season has been fun. I think this early season, especially considering the way things started, 1-4 and four, has gone much better than we thought it was going to. So I'm going big deal. And that right there is another addition. A big deal or not a big deal. You know what else I should have said? A big deal is tonight. Make sure you're listening to ESPN Radio, 7 to 10 p.m. Amber and Ian, I'm filling in again tonight, hosting with my girl Amber Wilson. So please tune in, ESPN app, uh, Sirius XM channel 80, ESPN Radio, or locally, ESPN West Palm, FM 106.3. So listen tonight, 7 to 10 p.m. We got the heat going on tonight. We got the Panthers going on tonight. We got Thursday night football. Could have a big show tomorrow if everything goes our way. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Today's show brought to you in part by Bet Online. Thanks to everybody who hung out today. Uh, of course, thanks to everybody who helped, you know, with all their hard work behind the scenes making sure everything runs so smooth. I, I can't do it without your help. We'll talk to you on Zaslow Show 2.0 tomorrow. Know what that means. Ah, the show is over. What better time now than to go out back with a six-pack? Of Johnny Cuba. That's right. That's what I look forward to after every show. And now my day's work is done. I got a six-pack of Johnny Cuba. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul. I'm going to sit outside by the pool here at the Zaslow Mansion and just enjoy the rest of my day. Having a Johnny Cuba makes me feel like I'm right back in the Caribbean. We're talking a refreshing German lager in a can. You can get it anywhere, Sedano's, Presidente, Winn-Dixie. And right now, you got special holiday prices on six packs of Johnny Cuba. Make sure you pick up your Johnny Cuba merch as well. We got the hot sauce coming up. Johnny Cuba, stay tranquilo, because more is always brewing.